forgot, but now I'm mad. Cause most of these artists, by Suda, they are trash. They never last. The character lack of momentum. I staple their nipples to their knees and make them do sit-ups. They talk shit like I'm a foreigner. They digging their grave with their tongue. I'm on the corner with the coroner. Your crew the target. I burn them like Mr. Marcus for the profit. I'm leaving blood in the carpet in your label office. Shoulder to shoulder with Hover. I'm souped in the motor. I roll as sick as a bowler when I'm taking it over. It's evident I'm better than... All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, welcome back. You know what time it is. It's another edition of the one and only Fan in the Van podcast time coming to you for the first time. Solo, anyway, uh, 2024. As uh, I did make an appearance with uh, Garrett um, on the 1420 Sports New Year's Day uh, special live edition that they did yesterday. And uh, it was great to be on with Brent and Dave again. Um, something that we are going to try to make happen at least once a month. But as we know, scheduling and everything gets, you know, it gets a little complicated at times, but it is what, what it is. But obviously we had one interesting week of football and it looks like right now the team going in with all the momentum in the world is Baltimore. Lamar is making all the doubters, to, you know, all the Guys that criticized him, me included, he's making us eat his that he's making us eat our words week in and week out. I mean, a five touchdown performance against Miami, which you really didn't see coming. And, and I'm sorry, Mike McDaniel to me is a bit of a moron for this because you would have had your best edge rusher coming in to the playoffs, and Bradley Chubb had you had just simply taken him out when you're getting the barn doors blown off of you. But whatever, such is football. Um, you know, then obviously uh, Pittsburgh decides, you know, they're going to make Mason the starter, and then we all know the reports out there. Kenny refuses to back up Mason Rudolph. Is it true? Is it not true? Uh, you know, everybody who knows who Mark Madden is, uh, they're saying he's telling the truth. People are saying he's bullshitting. Listen, whether it's true or not, I don't care. At, at the end of the day, it's now Mason's job to lose. Let's let, let's just be clear about that. Mason hasn't been a fan favorite here, but yet has come out and has done what has been asked of him, and that's to keep us in games, put up points, and win. And that's what he's done, and he's done it mistake-free. By the way, Devin Bush, how did it feel to not be able to back up your words because you didn't shut down Najee or Jalen Warren. And again, you are non-existent. You should just go join Evan Neal and go work at the fucking in and out somewhere and go flip burgers and shut your fucking mouth. That's what you should do. But back to Mason. So Mason's doing what Mason's supposed to do. And Mason, to me, when you look at the comparison from Kenny to Mason, one is more poised in the pocket than the other. One's able to read through the progressions with the pressure faster than the other. And that's where Mason gets the edge. He's been here longer. He knows the system. He knows what he has to do. Kenny's only been here for two years now. But there's people out there saying that Kenny's a bust. We don't know yet. We still don't know. And this is kind of similar to, you know, with Daniel Jones, where Daniel Jones went from one coordinator to another coordinator to another coordinator, from one coach to another coach to another coach. The only consistency in Pittsburgh as opposed to Daniel Jones with the Giants is you still have the same head coach in Pittsburgh. You didn't have that until Brian Dabble in New York, right? Okay. Well, New Jersey, I should say, because they don't fucking play in New York. 
Um, but to say that, that Kenny is a fraudulent quarterback, we don't know till we put him with the right offensive coordinator. Now, if he's still playing the same way in the middle of year three, then yeah, we're questioning this. We're, we're questioning, was this the right pick? Was this the right guy? Maybe the guy's been sitting here the whole time and we just didn't want to see it. Because you look at Mason Rudolph and it's like, okay, we look at his past games and he was good in this game and he shits, he shits the bed in this game. He's, he keeps us afloat in this game, gets utterly destroyed in another game. But right now, Mason's playing with house money. And I'm here for it. I still don't think we're a playoff team. I don't think we go far in the playoffs, but hell, I've been proven wrong before. I mean, hey, if we get in and get past the wild card round, get to the divisional round, I'm I'm for it. I'm for it. And the fact that he has this connection with George Pickens, and we've seen this with wide receivers that he's comfortable with, where he can just throw it up because he knows his guy's going to go up and get it. We just know he is. He's got that connection with him. He started building it with Deontay, even though Pickens had more receiving yards. Deontay was still up there with like 76. Can't go wrong, you know. Listen, I think the connection, again, is easily better for Mason with a guy of Pickens' stature where, you know, it's a taller receiver, throw it up, he'll go get it. He's got vice grips for fucking hands. And he can haul in anything you throw at him. Deontay, we, we've seen where he's had crucial drops, drops that he shouldn't have. And, you know, that's something, again, Deontay's got to work on. But in the offseason, the Steelers still have a lot of questions to answer. Do you pick up Najee's fifth-year option? I almost think you have to. Because now we're seeing what this offensive line can do. That maybe now this awakens the Alabama Najee that we know that he could be. And he kind of was that this past Sunday. I mean, he was friggin' he's stiff armed too. Tariq Woolen to the fucking to the depths of hell. Come on. Come on. But you know, we talked about it a bit yesterday, who we see as the, the you know the teams that this Super Bowl is gonna go through. And right now, listen, it's Baltimore for the AFC. And it's it's San Francisco right now. I mean, unless the Rams go on an incredible streak and do the unthinkable, I, I don't see anybody beating, you know, the Niners in the playoffs. Because let's put it this way. The Eagles, they're not a threat. And it's not a knock on, on Aaron's Philadelphia Eagles. But there's just something going on. I made reference to it. On, the, on one of the last episodes of 2023. And I made reference to it yesterday. And it, I think we were all kind of in agreement. Where it's something nobody's talking about. But it's something that's there. And that's, you know, A.J. Brown's diva type issues. Where it's like, I need the ball. I need the catches. I need the yards. Even though you have all these weapons. It's not like Jalen Hurts doesn't have weapons at his disposal. You know, you have Gainwell out of the backfield who can run and catch. Same thing with DeAndre Swift. You have Dallas Goddard. You you had Devonta Smith, who's now hurt, apparently. And he may miss part of the playoffs. Who knows? You know, and then you do have A.J. Brown. But how coincidental is it 
that we've seen this story before with another guy whose last name is Brown, and that's Antonio. <laughs> I mean, you can't make it up. And, and like I said yesterday, the story if if this if this story plays out the way we already know it has and could, it's not going to be the quarterback that leaves. It's going to be the wide receiver that gets shipped off somewhere. And, you know, people want to knock Jalen Hurts. Listen, this guy's going out there playing not at 100%. And I think that he's forcing passes, and this is where his turnovers come into play. You And Philly, the same thing. They got a lot of questions to answer in the offseason. You know, do you keep these coordinators here? Honestly, let Matt Patricia be the defensive coordinator. Let him. And, and and the other rumor that kind of came to light yesterday that I didn't even know was out there until, like, Brent brought it up. Um, I think it was Brent, maybe Garrett brought it up. I don't know. It was uh, that, that New England might bring back Josh McDaniels to eventually be the head coach or bring him in in some capacity to where he could take the reins from Belichick. I think we could all be in agreement. Why are we giving this man another chance of being a head coach? Why are we doing it? He sucked it. He sucked with Denver, and he fucking shit the bed with the Raiders. I mean, you you look at the Raiders to McDaniel's to post McDaniel's. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. But even look at and, and I, I, we we really kind of hate talking about this, but this has got to get brought up. Brad Allen is the worst NFL official that has walked an NFL field. I'm sorry, you are told pregame by the coach, in this situation, this guy is going to report eligible. In this situation, like it, it, it's sort of a pregame thing that a lot of us weren't privy to that we kind of found out. Um, And the fact that he said he was confused because two guys ran up to him, but if you go back to a playoff game last year, I believe it was, somebody put it out on TikTok, and it was the same situation, same official. Brad Allen didn't look confused there. And now that Brad Allen's officiating numbers are not that they're they're very staggering they're very like one-sided and there's a lot of favoritism in it and it makes you wonder in certain games is the fix really in but we've also made this assessment as well if your team's that good you wouldn't need to rely on the officials or use the officials as the excuse we can't blame them for everything. In that situation, that falls on Brad Allen. That's a bad call. That makes the NFL look bad. But of course, Brad Allen, the, the only the only the, the only punishment they get is that that whole crew is downgraded and won't be able to officiate in the playoffs, at least so far, that's what they're saying. But where does the accountability lie with officiating? Where does it? Because you never see them get punished. You've seen this in sports day in and day out. Where I've watched Yankee games and there's been bad strike calls. And especially in a crucial spot where it can make or break the game. And they'll call a strike on, say, Aaron Judge. And it ends the game. But it's not a strike. And you'll see two, three days later... You know, MLB officiating will come out and they'll say, yeah, that was a ball. We got that wrong. But see, in baseball, though, you could play, a de- depending on certain things and, and timing of, of, of which these bad calls are made, you could play on the protest. In the NFL, you can't, which leads to, can you start challenging penalties? 
I think we already have enough reviews as it is. And I think what they should do, and they, it worked with the, the USFL did this, I believe it was, before they merged with the XFL. They had a guy in a box above the field. Okay. Now, I'm not saying this guy's got to be above the box, above the field in a box, but he should be in a box at every angle at his disposal. And he could buzz down and say, listen, um, that's not holding. Listen, this is holding. Uh, no, that's not pass interference. This is pass interference. And the question is, who do you put as the guy in the box? I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be very hard to do it at every game. So what you do is, and it's simple. Ready? You have Dean Blandino that does it for Fox, right? Former NFL official. So for all the Fox games that are on, you get him with a comparable crew that he could trust, and they do that. Gene Steratore is the, is the NFL officiating analyst for CBS. You let him do that with a group of guys on the, for the CBS games. Monday night game is rather easy because it's ESPN. It's only one game. So John Parry would do that all by himself. But again, we've said it where it's bad when the officiating is being criticized by the announcers. That's when you know this is bad. And it's bad when the fans could spot a penalty from their couch. That's bad too. And that's a bad look for the NFL. And especially now that sports betting, let's be honest, has a huge hand in all this. And it makes a ton of money, the NFL, because of it. NFL officiating has to be a lot better. And listen, we get it. It's never going to be perfect. You're going to miss a call here or there. You're going to have a bad call here or there. But it's too consistent. The here and there's are everywhere. That's the problem. That is the problem. But to get into the week that will be 18, the last week of the year, this is honestly the saddest day of the year, the saddest week, I should say, because football is one of those sports that you wish was around all year, but you know it can't because of the physicality and the fact that it's an 18-week season. And we've even questioned that, you know, do they need an 18-week season? Because you see towards the end of the year, you know, horrible football being played. But also, too, the, that, that 17th game has a huge impact in, as far as playoff scenarios. And that's kind of what the NFL wanted. They wanted, like, an all-my-children, one-life-to-live-style soap opera drama for the last week of the year. And you're getting it. You're getting it. Because you got teams that literally are playing for their playoff lives. The Jaguars. The Texans, the Colts, you know, the, you know, the friggin' Steelers, even though you, I don't see them in, but if they get in, okay, that's great. And, and that's before I get into week 18, I understand we want Super Bowls. I understand that. But Mike Tomlin has done something that not even your precious Bill Belichick has done. Okay, 17 years of coaching without a losing record is an improbable feat 
that not many get to accomplish. So to sit there as a fan and still bash this man, I get he's made bad decisions. I get he's made bad, bad play calling. I I know that he's let Matt Canada stay too long. We, we, we know all this. But under all the adversity and all the criticism, the scrutiny, give that man his fucking due, would you? At the very least, hey, that's an amazing feat. Nobody has done it. If this was Belichick doing it, I hate to say this, you wouldn't be criticizing the decisions. Maybe a reasoning why. I'm not going to open that door. Because if I do, some of you are going to be afraid to walk through it with me because you don't want me to expose the truth of how people really are in this world. You don't want that. But let's get back into week 18. Obviously, you obviously we play the Ravens. Listen, they're not they're, they're not starting anybody, but still they got Huntley at, at at backup. You cannot take this game lightly, even still. Okay, you just you 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 can't do it. Can't take you can't take the Ravens lightly, even in Week 18. You know you got Texans Colts. That one is gonna listen. C.J. Stroud is back. I like what Minshew's done for the Colts this year when Richardson went down. I think if you had a healthier Michael Pittman, a healthier Jonathan Taylor, I don't think the Colts have to play for, for you know, to, to keep their spot. Jaguars, listen, I'll commend Garrett for saying his team is nowhere near a Super Bowl team. I think me and Garrett have the same opinions of, of, of our respected franchises. You could attribute Jacksonville's issues to, you know, Trevor's playing hurt. Zay Jones is out there, not 100%. You know, you could attribute a lot. And, and, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, with the Steelers as well. You could attribute, you know, bad play calling, bad execution. You, you could do all that. And the fact that at one point, both our franchises controlled their own fate and let it slip. That's on, that's on the team. You can't blame anybody else. That's on the team as a whole. That's on every player, every coach, every coordinator. That's on all of them. That's on all of them. And what's funny is I'm looking at this schedule, right? So you have Browns, Bengals. And we talked about it a bit yesterday. That if Joe Flacco wins Cleveland a game or two, hey, good for Cleveland that he's going to get a big money deal somewhere for two, three years. And I even said it could be the Vikings. But now here's the thing. Minnesota has an interesting situation that I don't think anybody's discussing. You got to give Justin Jefferson an extension. And I think it was on Twitter a week or two ago, BSing Sports Podcast put out something about, you know, Justin Jefferson. And I said, well, the only way you're keeping Justin Jefferson, to be honest, is if you re-sign Kirk Cousins. Because Cousins and Jefferson have that comfortability together. And Jefferson's been very vocal about Kirk Cousins and how he likes playing with him. If you don't re-sign Kirk Cousins, I think Minnesota might lose out on Justin Jefferson. 
I think to I think to keep to to keep one, you have to sign the other. And and speaking of that NFC North next year, when you look at the Bears, right? So obviously the Bears got to play the Packers, and the Bears could play spoiler here. And we said it yesterday: the Bears have two top five picks. You could trade the first pick overall. You don't need it. There's people out there that say. Oh no, they gotta go get Khalid Williams and Drake May or Drake May. Okay, that's good. Set your franchise back another five years when you already have the key element you already need and have, and that's Justin fucking Fields. What you need is that what you need is to bolster that line and get another running mate with, with DJ Moore. That's where that 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 fifth pick comes into play. I believe right now the Bears have the fifth pick. And if Marvin Harrison Jr. is sitting there, because I believe he did declare, that's who you take. You take Marvin Harrison Jr. there. Because you could find another running back anywhere in this draft. You could find O-linemen throughout this whole draft. You've always been able to. You know, we discussed it yesterday that unless, unless the quarterback is a guaranteed franchise piece that's going to turn your 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 team around in year 1 you don't draft a quarterback first Jacksonville did it because they knew Trevor Lawrence could turn the franchise around the Colts the Colts did it with Andrew Luck because they knew he could turn the franchise around you know the Steelers had to what the 11th pick in 04 and they took Roethlisberger if they had the first pick in the draft who knows what they would have done? You know, you look at you look at these teams that have drafted quarter. The Browns drafting Baker Mayfield didn't really turn the franchise around that much. It honestly took a 39-year-old quarterback to get Cleveland to where it is now. Because Watson wasn't really doing it. You can't attribute this streak to 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 Deshaun Watson at all. You you'd have to give credit to where it's due, and that's to you know to DTR before he went down and bringing in Flacco, who again was buying industrial size fucking pickles and jars of mustard at Costco before he took this job. But hey, it is what it is on that front. You know, you look at Eagles-Giants. Giants could play spoiler here. As long as Dallas wins and and the Eagles lose, I believe, if, if, if my scenario is correct, if Dallas wins and the Giants could do the improbable and take down the Eagles in, in, in East Rutherford, New Jersey, notice New Jersey, not East Rutherford, New York, because again, consult a fucking map. The Giants play in New Jersey. Okay? If the Giants somehow could defeat the Eagles, the Cowboys go into the playoffs as the number two seed. Now, I could be wrong. That might already be the case because the Eagles lost to Baby Yoda and the Cardinals. That's sad. That's really, really sad. That's pathetic, actually. And, and people can say, well, you know, we're down big play Slay. I really haven't seen big play Slay make a big play all year. But let's be honest about it. Really haven't. 
So, so don't give me that at all. Just, just, just don't do that. Um, what else we have here? Buccaneers, Panthers, Saints, Falcons. Pretty much both. I, 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 I don't like this at all. The fact that a nine and eight team can win the division, okay, and then host the playoff game. I didn't even like before you had a seventeen week season where like a a below 500 team could win their division and host a playoff game. You shouldn't be rewarded for mediocrity. I'm sorry, you shouldn't. You absolutely shouldn't. I I, I hate to tell you that, but it's true. I mean, you have Chiefs Chargers. Let, let, let me tell you something. This will be the first time in Mahomes' career he's got to go on the road for the playoffs. <laughs> And I don't even know what the Chiefs do in the offseason. I mean, they got to go out and get a legitimate number one. Antonio Brown could tweet all he wants. Hey, Kansas City, you need a number one. Here I am. Nobody's going to take on that head case. Nobody's going to do it. Maybe if you just stayed quiet, Antonio, and stop putting out your stupid tweets that, that you put out. Maybe, maybe they would have brought you in. But the Chiefs need a legit number one receiver. These And the receivers you have... I don't know what it is. I mean, how does how do you drop some of these passes? Mahomes is putting it right where it needs to be, and you guys are just dropping it. I I don't I don't get that at all. And you could tell Kelsey's frustrated. You can tell. It it's just the body language, the the, the facial expressions, he, he's frustrated. And, and and you know, listen, again. Just because I bash the NFL for whoring out Taylor Swift doesn't mean Taylor Swift is the reason why Travis Kelsey is is frustrated. Trust me. Trust me. It's that Mahomes is, is being flushed out of the pocket faster than he should be, and he can't get through his progressions. And when Kelsey's finally open, Mahomes is already five years five, five years, five yards past the line of scrimmage. You can't throw it at that point. So what do you want him to do? Bills Dolphins is another one where if the Bills win, if I'm not mistaken, the Bills could win the AFC East. And that right now, other than Baltimore and the AFC, this and maybe Cleveland. I can't believe I'm saying that. Like hell has frozen over. But Buffalo is another team that could be very scary in the playoffs. But again, until the playoff games are played, it's all speculation. It's all it is. That's all it is. Who knows? One of these teams, you know, Pittsburgh could get in and, and, and run the table. Who knows? You know, the Texans could get in. Run the table. Who knows? The Lions could win it all. You know, I, I I don't think I don't think Cleveland gets past the first. The depending on who Cleveland's got to play, I don't see them getting past the wild card round. But you know what though? If you're a Cleveland Brown fan, and this is for only the knowledgeable ones who don't sit on Twitter and be toxic fuck faces, um. You you'd have to accept that for for what's been 
an improvement over the past 30 plus years of your second existence in the NFL. Let's let's be clear about that. Um you 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 take that, but then even so, that's a huge question. Does Cleveland decide to maybe keep Flacco next season? Because like I said yesterday, there's loopholes that we didn't know about in Watson's contract. Like, like one of them's like detrimental acts to the team. And what more of a detrimental act than stealing $230 million and not playing up to the value of that contract? Don't give me injuries because he wasn't playing that good before the injury. He had one good game before, you know, freaking before he got hurt. So don't give me that. Don't. He's been here for it almost two years. I understand, and it, and now that hasn't played a full season. You, you and yeah, you could you could put the suspension in there. You could put that in there, and he still hasn't produced. You know, you look at the Denver situation. Where does Russell Wilson wind up? You know, people are questioning how can Denver sue that. You know, how can Russell Wilson sue the NFL? Well, not the NFL, but could sue the Broncos. Listen. Denver violated the 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 the, the, uh, the collective bargaining agreement. Sean Payton, Sean Payton and the Broncos went up to Russell Wilson like they were John Gotti and the Gambino crew, and they said, "Listen, if you don't do this, hey, you're gonna be sleeping with the fishes," and, and, and which is a euphemism for you're gonna ride the bench. And I don't I don't blame Russell Wilson for coming out and speaking his piece. Don't blame them at all. Because how can you? You really, you, you really can't, you really can't blame them. Pause. Deactivated. So, I mean, you know, that, that's a shit situation. But again, this is what happens when you, when you do guarantee contracts. So how do you, how do you in essence fix that? Well, we, well, we made reference to that yesterday too. Dave said, just get rid of the cap and just add a luxury tax the way MLB does it. You know, the way the NBA kind of does it. Just get, but the problem is, is that you give out these contracts and they're guaranteed. Now you have an issue like in baseball where if a guy goes down the whole year, you still have to pay them. So, so where's the line? Where's the line? That's the issue with it. And, and I'm sure there's a way that we can figure it out. And I'm sure maybe by, by some point it will get figured out. But if a team puts in this incentive and then asks you to retract it, why? Why would you expect that player to, to say, no? Nah. Or what you could do, what they could have done was taken, if they were smart, is you could have turned... You could have restructured Wilson's deal entirely and turned a majority of it with with, with all the guarantee money, including the the, uh, the the injury guarantee money, and converted it all to a signing bonus. We've seen GMs do this before. Kevin Colbert was a wizard at that in Pittsburgh, doing voidables, doing voidable deals, and, and do and making contracts that didn't go against the cap. And taking money and restructuring it from this to this and that to that and blah, 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 whatever it was. Kevin Colbert was an absolute magician for doing that. 
So you can't tell me that it can't be done because we've seen it done before. We, we've seen it, so it, it can be done. And, and it's sad because as much as we've given Ru Russell Wilson criticism for his on-field play, he's still got something left in the tank. I mean, I went over it one of the last two episodes of the year. So I'm, I'm not going to beat it to death here, but that man's going to go somewhere and get another contract. He's going to get another big money contract. And maybe this time he just says, you know what? I don't want this guarantee in the deal. I don't want this guarantee in the deal. I don't want to go through another Denver scenario. A lot of people are saying Russell should go back to where it started. Seattle's not going to bring him back after they traded him away. They're not going to do it. I mean, we've seen it happen where guys go back home to finish the story. Okay, you know, for those who, who watch WWE and you hear everybody saying, I came back to finish my story. I, I don't see it in this scenario. I mean, you didn't see Tom Brady leave Tampa and then take a year off and go back to New England because he wanted to finish the story. You didn't see that. So you're not going to see it here. I just don't think he goes back. Russell says he prefers to stay in the AFC. There's teams that can use a veteran quarterback to either help progress their the 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 next guy to take the to take the reins or just a or just to an AFC team that's they're they're on the cusp of being a playoff team but they're that quarterback away and Russ could be that guy for a lot of teams like Russ going to New England right now wouldn't be that bad but you know that Belichick is going to take one of the kids coming out. He's going to take May or he's going to take Khalid Williams. When in all honesty, if you watched the bowl games yesterday, Michael Penix made a case for being a top five fucking quarterback. So that's where, and, and that's the other thing, and that's where we kind of discussed the bowl games a bit yesterday with, with opting out. And, you know, Garrett's got it right. It shows character. I mean, Khalid Williams opts out of whatever ball game they're in. But that's the other problem. You have 955 different fucking ball games nobody gives a shit about. Nobody gives a shit about them. I don't care about the fucking Dorito Bowl, the fucking Enchirito Bowl, the Enchilada Bowl, the fucking Fiesta Bowl. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's too many bowls. The main ones that people cared about were the ones that happened yesterday and then the championship game. That's the only ones anybody cares about. Do you think anybody really cared that Georgia stomped out FSU? No, nobody cared. The only thing it did was defend those who said that Florida State shouldn't be in it. That's all it did. It makes Florida State's case weaker with them trying to sue the NCAA and whoever else they're trying to sue. That's what that did. I don't care about Oregon versus friggin' Liberty. I don't care about, you know, fucking Dartmouth University going up against fucking Illinois or friggin' Cincinnati in the fucking Docker Bowl. I, you know, nobody cares. So maybe that's how you eliminate all these opt-outs. It's just eliminate the bowl games. I understand it's about revenue and money, but... 
The, the championship games are the only ones that matter. The two main bowl games that lead to that to you know to the college football championship are the only ones that fucking matter that anybody gives two flying shits about. I hate to tell you, but it is. But with that being said, uh, to start the new year, I I had to pop on to 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 get one out to you guys. Um, a lot of big things are going to happen this year, not just for me, but. You know, for for all of us, for the little click that we got going on between myself and and Garrett and Jalen and Aaron and whoever his next co-host is going to be, you know, to Brent and Dave, I mean, to to E-Man, a lot of big things are going to happen. This Sunday, me and Garrett will be doing our first Steel and Teal for the for the 2024 year. Um. So don't miss that. We'll have our picks in. You know, if, if for those who have listened, you already know which road this could go down. Uh, to those who have been watching Cigar and Sports, a huge thank you to you guys as well. Um, the only thing I did not do yet was write down a list. I will do that this week. And then in the next episode, I will shout out those who have supported me. Because honestly, a lot of you guys already know who you are. Uh, obviously Brent and Dave are one of the biggest supporters, Garrett, E-Man, Aaron, Visit Vegas Places with Coil, John Wrestling Fans Insight, the BSing Sports Podcast, the list goes on, um, you know, huge thank you to you guys, um, you know, you know, like we always say, there's enough room at the table for everybody to eat, everybody could support each other, if, you know, if you're not one that likes to do that, then stay the fuck away from me, because, just stay away. But with that being said, hopefully everybody has a healthy and prosperous 2024. Um, a lot more to come, not only just from the fan in the van, but from all of the, from everybody else as well. Uh, so with that being said, with that being said, stay safe and as always, peace.